You've been to the studio, Mike. That's right. And there was no doll. More fun still. There wasn't even a desk. Poor Sam. You really ought to have a desk. But then you don't know my friend Sam and about him needing a desk. Mrs. Hendricks. Susie. We're not strangers. All right, Susie, game time's over. I want the doll. No. I'm afraid you don't have any choice. But I do. I do have a choice. No, you don't. Damn it, you act as if you're in kindergarten. This is the big bad world full of mean people where nasty things happen. Now you tell me. You are listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight. Welcome to They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 304, and I'm your host, Lee. I cannot negotiate in an atmosphere of mistrust, Russell, and I am joined by my co-hosts with the mostest, the lovely Lee, world's champion blind lady, Hardy. <laughs> okay, well, I'm uh, I'm not... Uh, visually visually impaired oh my god i'm gonna be an asshole if i don't remember the proper germs but i'm not that so mm-hmm. we are good i i do have glasses but uh i have a lot more vision than those who are without yes we're both <laughs> <of> their vision <laughs> we, both, we both had some wonky eyes but not to that degree that's, mm-hmm. that's for sure yeah i that's can good. see with glasses that's the thing i yeah. can i can have an assistive device that allows me to see versus You're not, people who you, cannot you're not legally blind, so. Um, and Which I think it's hilarious. I, I know this is kind of funny. This is like an already be a, a curve to our normal podcast. But I always think it's funny because if I don't have glasses on, I can't function. Mm-hmm. Like, I cannot do anything. I can't. I, I have no depth perception. I can see about maybe an arm's length away if I'm lucky, if I'm squinting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I have to do anything, anything at all, I can't do it. Like, I have to have glasses, which, again, is also the hilarious part because I have to pay for my glasses, which is something I literally need to live. Like, I cannot go in life without my glasses. We're in a society now where I'm in a situation that if I drive to school, I have to have my glasses or can't drive. If I'm working, I have to have glasses. Mm -hmm. If I'm at school, I have to have glasses. Like, it's just – I think it's um, because it's so easily kind of fixed – I think it's kind of surpassed. Like it, it doesn't look as serious it is as it is. And I even had someone ask me if my glasses were fake, and I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? I'm what? blind. I'm. What? I cannot see. Yeah. Someone's like, "Oh, those. Oh, you just have like those glasses, right? Those are not real glasses. All oh, those people. Do people do that? Yes. Yeah. People oh. wear glasses as a, a fashion piece, which I hate because I'm like, I'm not going around with a fucking wheelchair. 
<laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not gonna get myself a peg leg just to be fashionable. Like, yeah. Anyway, what the what the fuck? But yeah, someone man. asked me like, "Oh, you're just wearing this glasses for fashion?" I'm like, "No, I'm wearing them because I can't fucking see." Yeah, no, this, this, this pacemaker, right, but... this this pacemaker you see, all for show. Just yeah, yeah. No. Anyways, fuck. um, I think um, just needing glasses is one of those disabilities that is not seen as serious. Like people just don't take it seriously. Right. Um, goddamn, we're already on a rant. Um, I was playing a soccer game, and halfway through the second period, the referee was like, "I need you to take off your glasses. You can't wear glasses during the game." And I, I remember being so mad because the coach was like, you're just taking her, like, so just, just, she needs these to see. That's fine. Well, mm. you can just play without your glasses. You know? I can't, I threw my glasses at the ref. I was like, fine, fuck you. Because <laughs> I'm so mad. I should have been like, okay, you want to take someone's legs away? You want to take someone's hands away? So you want to take my side away so I can't fucking play the game. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then all the times when people just say, well, just take your glasses off. Just take your fucking glasses off. <laughs> what? You mean that is the solution to my? Pr- I should just take my glasses off and everything's fine. Anyway, yeah, that's, I that's a whole pack of. I yeah. I do I do notice like I don't I don't wear my glasses as much. Um, I just wear them every once in a while. But when I do wear them, and if I if I have them on for a while, all of a sudden like my my as soon as I take them off, my vision is like noticeably deteriorated from where before I put them back on. So it's like, Oh, now you need to put them back on. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I forever ago when I was a kid, it was just you. Oh, just wear them for whatever. Just wear them for distance. Mm-hmm. That's all you need them for, for distance. Like you don't need them all the time. If I can't see the things in the distance, then why am I not wearing my glasses? <laughs> mm. Like some are, there are some people, don't get me wrong. There are some people that it just more of a, an assistive thing. But I was to the point where I could not see, and they're like, "Just, just wear them when you need them." So all the fucking time. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, it just boggles my mind how they're so just nonchalant. Ah. <laughs> uh, I might get LASIK surgery. I'm, I'm thinking about it. Ah, uh, I was thinking about LASIK surgery, but obviously, like as you get older, it deteriorates. Like, so you slowly lose it. But you'd be like a few years without it, without having to wear glasses, because mm-hmm. I think they said. Um, he said two years ago, so I'd be at three years of wearing them without the deterioration of the LASIK because it's just normal. Like as you get older, it happens. Maybe it's still, maybe in five years we'll have cyborg guys. It'll, just, it'll be fine. I know I'm fucked. I know I've always been fucked. Like it, it's like f- I think five thousand dollars to get both eyes done. I'm in school. Like I, it's not happening. I know it. Oh. I'm stuck with glasses. I don't. I don't think my work would cover that much. No, they don't. They, don't. they cover glasses. They cover contacts, but they won't cover LASIK. Oh, new new pair of glasses. It is then. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, we, we need to get off this, even though it is kind of thematically very much part of this movie. But uh, uh, but yeah. Um, if you watched yes, anything lately, right. you want to talk about. Um, I guess I did. So I did find a movie that I did watch lately. Um, I had mentioned it to you. Uh, it's called The Babysitters. Mm-hmm. So it is with uh, the only really known person is um, John. Oh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. And I feel terrible. Uh, Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. I, I fuck it up. I've. It's John Legu. Fuck. Le- Anyways, you yeah. you know. I know who you're talking about. Yes, I feel terrible. I hate, but unfortunately, I don't know the pronunciation. Uh, anyway, so movie is about um, this girl who's babysitting for John, mm-hmm. like 
his name's Michael. They end up going somewhere after he's supposed to drop her off, which is, by the way, really gross. And they end up hooking up. And then he gives her money because he's like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done this. So he gives her money to kind of like hush hush. Mm-hmm. And then, then it turns into this whole like he basically pays her for sex. So she's – I think she's either supposed to be 16 or 17 in this movie and he's an adult. And then John Leguizamo, by the way. Leguizamo. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. I always feel like an asshole. Yeah. No, it, it, pronunciation. It's it's not it's not an actor I always talk about, so it's not like he's something that I I, I constantly train myself to like. Oh yeah, that's what his name is. Yeah, I'd rather um, learn your name properly than do the whole like. Let's just make up our own way to say it. Legamamopsico. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Anyway, um, continue. So yes, uh, so she decides she has this idea. Uh, sorry, he asks, like, hey, do you have any friends who would like to babysit? So he gets her best friend to babysit. She warns her, like, what's going on. And, yeah, so she does it. So she's babysitting and fucks the dad and gets money for it. So mm-hmm. this girl – and then this girl's like, hey, I would like a portion because I found you it. So she's basically acting as the pimp and has this whole mm-hmm. business of um, finding babysitters to fuck dads. Again, these girls are in high school. Mm. Um. So this all happens. I have. There's a few things I have problems with this movie. It is a really interesting movie. Like when you think about it, how, how this girl finds this way. But at the end, they try to make her look like as she's like the evil person. When mm. in fact, like out of everything that happens, she's literally doing the thing that's like the least fucking disgusting. These guys, these dads, are having weekends out with these teenage girls and paying them to fuck them. Oof. Like. I don't care that this girl, first of all, she's being manipulated by a lot of these guys. She's making money, so she's finding ways to financially support herself. Mm -hmm. But you don't realize the shittiness of what's happening to you until you get older. When you're in this stage of like that young age where you're being seduced by an older person, you're like, ooh, I'm being seduced by another person. Mm -hmm. Until you're older and you're like, wow, that's fucking gross. The person who's older has the responsibility of not taking advantage of someone who's younger. Yeah. Like you're not like when you're younger, you don't have the life experience. You don't understand what's going on. You can't realize the impact because you haven't lived that. But all of a sudden you live that. And me as a 35 year old looks back at a 17 year old and sees a young vulnerable person who's learning just the beginning of life like literally lives in the house with the parents and are given instructions every day until we're like out of the house and have to discover the real world like i'm on two rants holy fuck i'm sorry no you're going you're going you're flying but it's it's beyond anything like it is just this movie made me very angry Mm-hmm. It, I, I think I would have preferred had it been like they used college girls or something. It's just because they used high school girls. It really bothered me. And then mm-hmm. at the end where it was this whole she is the bad person. Like she's not a great person. Like I, I – cool. She's like trying to get money off of everybody and she's putting these girls in shitty situations with these older men. Right. So yeah, I'm not saying anything about what she's doing is great. But I'm saying that she was probably one of the least terrible people in this movie. Well, in in a way, she's also a victim of the the system that allows this kind of thing to happen, like under. And you see notice. it, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and I, I, 
that's what I mean. Like she's the least of the worries. She's the least of the problems. If someone caught the situation, you'd be sitting her down and be like, hey, I need to talk to you about the fact that you were abused. You were mm-hmm. raped. Like you – like that's a statutory rape. You cannot consent as a, like someone with this massive a fucking age gap. Yeah. That is what should have happened, not – this fucking shame that was put on her. Mm-hmm. These men willingly <laughs> did this and they all made her feel guilty. Anyways, um, I don't really want you to watch this movie because I think it would just make you angry. I don't think anyone should be able to watch this movie because I think it makes everybody angry. All right. Um, if, if someone does, yes, but I'm going to massive spoiler it. So if you do plan on watching it, just skip ahead. So in the movie, yeah, like I said, there was this big group party that happened. This dad basically like takes advantage of this poor girl who's trying to say no and he won't let her. And then there's a scene that happens where that girl is like babysitting and she leaves the house because all the kids were left there, but you don't know why. It's just a random scene that was just thrown in. Mm. And then that girl starts saying to her sister what she did. And then the brother finds out. And the brother's really mad at the girl who's like the pro- basically the, the pimp of this whole thing. And then everybody goes against the girl who's like playing the pimp. And the sister who had that whole incident, who told her sister, who was also part of the group, mm-hmm. made a side business to take away all this other girl's business. And then at the end... The pimp finds out that this girl is fucking her dad. And that's like how they end on it. And it's this whole like, oh my God, this is awful. Like, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, it's fucking terrible. And I don't understand how this movie made it feel like she was the bad person in this whole fucking thing. When realistically, this girl just found out what happened. And it should have been way more seen as she found out she's just been fucking played by older men. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah. yes. If anybody wants to watch it just to get it because like i said the story is kind of cool the story had a like bit of a coolness to it it just i cannot cannot grasp using high school and fucking dads and i you could explain it to me in a way that should be like an eye-opening thing it's gross the way mm-hmm. they portrayed it is gross that is it that's the end all right everything else has been like a bunch of just rewatches of disney movies who can have naps <laughs> all right <laughs> I'll just mention a couple things. So I watched something that popped up on Shudder just recently. Um, Destroy All Neighbors from this year, 2024. Uh, it's got Alex Winter of uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure fame and Freaked. And it's got a little bit of uh, his sort of Freaked legacy in this because it's co- it's a horror comedy basically with um, all kinds of practical effects in it. And Alex Winter basically plays this weird troll-like slavic neighbor from hell who moves in next to this uh to our protagonist place and our protagonist is this kind of like meek dork who works at a recording studio and on the side he's trying to make his uh prog album but he's been working on it for like forever and has never finished it and he's got a long-suffering incredible girlfriend who is like putting up with his shit way too much i was was about to say you might know some people like that um and uh maybe yeah and uh the uh alex winter playing this this neighbor he plays his music way too loud and he's basically disrupting our protagonist's uh recording sessions and everything trying to put his album together and it finally hits a fever pitch where he goes over and confronts the guy and uh, the guy ends up dead. So now he's got to hide a, he's got to hide a body. But the thing is the guy doesn't stay quite dead. His body is still animated. And even though he cuts 
pieces of his body off, they still move and other people get involved and get killed. And anyone who sort of gets killed in relation to this initial event, they sort of come back as kind of zombie things too. And they're basically harassing him. But and then the movie kind of plays it like it's all in his mind maybe. And he's just going insane and killing people. And it's not bad. It was done pretty well. It, it, I don't know if it had an like it's it's only like eighty five minutes, so like it's not too long. Like if if this had run like an hour forty or something like that, I'd be like, oh, this is way too long because it's kind of it kind of plays more like a comedy sketch than it does like a fully formed movie in a, in a way. But it's got a lot a lot of over top gore. It actually had some pretty good gags in it that had me laughing, and I generally liked it. I thought it was pretty good. So. Uh, Worth checking out. Now, I'm not saying it's like, you know, movie of the year or anything already or anything like that. But, uh, you know, as far as, far as like stuff that pops up on Shudder that and I think there's like a Shudder original, too, if I'm not mistaken. As far as that stuff goes, pretty good. Pretty decent. Like just say, hey, kill some time. Watch a goofy horror movie. A lot of practical effects and blood and some laughs. I like Shudder for just I know there's like crap on there, like like any streaming services. Mm-hmm. But I just like Shudder because it's it's very much true to what it is. It sticks yeah. with what it is. It's just for it the most part, yeah. There, there, yeah. There's, some, there's sometimes they 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 slip in there or something that's like definitely not a horror movie, but you know. I get that, but it's still probably categorized as horror, so that's why it's there. But the thing is, again, it's still in that realm of weird, alternative, yeah, up ways of thinking movies. So I just yeah. appreciate it because, like any other thing, you always see these streaming services where they have the horror category, and you're like, "Really? This is your mm-hmm. horror category?" It's literally like every fucking famous horror. Category. This is like, no, no, no. We're gonna dig deep and find like, or we're gonna whatever newer ones that are just way out there. Yeah, just I don't know. Yeah, I just like Shutter. Yeah, one other thing I'll just mention uh, real quick. So, still doing movie nights with our mutual friends and stuff. Uh, every time we can get one done. You have friends. <laughs> Acquaintances, I guess. Whatever, you know. There's, there's slightly, there's slightly a, a lower tier than than you as far as uh, friendship stuff goes. You know, <laughs> they're they're on that level, and uh, you're more kind of like that's a whole novel level. <laughs> but yeah. Oh my god. Um, I used that today. You did, yeah. Another time. Sorry for the other time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So the one, one of the ones we watched, I'll just mention. I actually watched this one last night. uh, The Devil's Nightmare from 1971. Uh, It's a Belgian horror movie, and um, it is basically these sort of complete strangers on a European bus tour end up in this uh, castle uh, overnight, and. Lo and behold, this beautiful woman also shows up a little later in, in the castle. And apparently there's a curse. And this lady is this gorgeous redhead who happens to also be a succubus. And and now, unfortunately, it's not as super, like, horny and sexy as it probably could be with it being a succubus. Like, she doesn't really... Like, she does try to seduce a couple of the characters, but for the most part, she's just kind of... uh. It's almost it's almost like proto Nightmare on Elm Street in a way because she's kind of like preying on their deadly sin that they represent because each one of them represents one of the seven deadly sins kind of and so she's you know she's using these ironic deaths with with each one but there's still plenty of nudity and well not a super amount but enough 
and there's you know some sexy european ladies running around in skimpy outfits and stuff like that and um it's not bad uh, it's it's a good little horror movie and you know and they they can't escape the castle and uh, it's just up to this young priest to uh resist the seduction of the of the sexy succubus and uh the succubus is played by Erica Blanc who's this like gorgeous redhead who was uh, in a lot of movies back in that day. And the stuff she wears in this uh, movie, I think you would like. Um, she has this like mid-rift belly revealing black outfit in this movie that is like, oof. Yeah. If I had to go, I would go by a succubus. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but it's just pretty good. And they they got a guy here who plays the devil and he's he's amazing. He's just one of those character actors you find where he looks so weird. And I don't I can't tell if they've used fake teeth or if that was just his teeth, but they're pretty fucked up, like these big ass horse teeth that are like just just sort of like moving all over the place in his mouth. And yeah. It's uh it's a fun little fun little thing. It's it's kind of like a um it's kind of a tales from the crypt ish kind of movie okay. in a way, you know, cause it, it's got like kind of an ironic ending and a twist ending and all that stuff. And, um, I don't I really enjoy it. I thought it was pretty good and, uh, it went over pretty well last night with everyone watching it. So, well, it's cause there was boobs. Well, that too, that helped definitely a lot. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that kept, uh, one, one of our, our friends up, uh, who usually falls asleep, uh, halfway through a movie, so uh, but you tell him, "Hey, boobs!" He's like, "Huh? What? What? Well, yeah. Oh, cool." But, there you go. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know how well it went. As long as, mm-hmm. as long as I was there, they were awake. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah, but uh, and I never even mentioned at the beginning of the episode what movie we're doing today. <laughs> Not that I necessarily have to, because you know they're listening to the episode; they know what the title is. But we're do we're doing "Wait Until Dark" from 1967. In case anyone was wondering, if they had it's just, just it's just a rant episode. What are you talking about? Yeah, in case they came halfway into it when like Ladies Lee's rant is like, oh, I, I downloaded it. I'm just going to skip ahead 15 minutes and then like. And then, <laughs> And Who cares what she has to say? At least, at least talking about babysitters getting raped or something. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, you know. You better be 14, baby. Um, oh, fuck off. <laughs> but, you know, th- this is what I say to those people who just kind of jumped in. Words of wisdom. Drop that zero and give it the hero. And this podcast is the hero. So uh, we're going to come back from a break and we're going to talk about Wait until dark. You ungodly warlock. Motion picture massacre. Fuck you. We talk about exploitation movies, grindhouse movies, fucking cult movies, horror movies, okay? We don't talk about fucking romantic comedies over here. We're not talking about fucking Sandra Bullock or some shit. We're talking about good movies, the kind that people like to watch. Yes! You ungodly warlock.
All right, wait until dark. We have a trailer. Audrey Hepburn. The role you're going to remember whenever you are alone. During the last eight minutes of this picture, the theater will be darkened to the legal limit to heighten the terror of the breathtaking climax which takes place in nearly total darkness on the screen. If there are sections where smoking is permitted, those patrons are respectfully requested not to jar the effect by lighting up during this sequence. And of course, no one will be seated at this time. Until Dark, 1967, directed by Terrence Young, who is a director Lady Lee will be familiar with, and most people is familiar with, from his uh, three films in the James Bond franchise. <gasps> he, he did Doctor No, he did From Russia with Love, and he did Thunderball. Okay. Yeah. Doctor No was uh, a no-go for me, mm-hmm. but uh, the other two, yeah. Do- Doctor No-Go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from Russia from Russia with love like honestly probably outside of the uh outside of the Daniel Craig ones my favorite Bond movie just cuz I I I love that train fight. Uh, okay, I we're going to start talking about all those things. I'm just yeah. going to summarize it as like there's so many movies where in James Bond where I couldn't tell you what the storyline was. I could just tell you what the stunt was. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. Yes. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, he also did stuff like uh, Red Sun, which was the uh, Charles Bronson to Shiro Mifune and Alan Delon uh, Western. Uh, but it's like samurai in the old West. West meets East uh, spaghetti Western kind of thing. Uh, he also had the, the Valachi Papers and the Klansmen. This is written by uh, Frederick Knott who uh, was the writer of the play that this is based upon, um, as well as uh, the play for Dial M for Murder, which eventually also was like done on TV, I think, a couple times, and, of course, became the famous movie. Also written by uh, Robert Carrington, who did such other things as Kaleidoscope and Venom, which is the, uh, hey, bunch of people stuck in a uh, apartment building with the power out, and there's a black mamba snake running around biting people and uh then we have uh jane howard hammerstein jane hammer jane howard hammerstein who also wrote on kaleidoscope um as far as the cast here we have audrey hepburn and uh, this is going to be her last movie for like about 10 years or something like that that's kind of the one she sort of semi-retired on as uh, Susie hendrix she's got 63 credits uh, she was in some classic Hollywood stuff like Sabrina, War and Peace, Funny Face, My Fair Lady. Uh, she came back later on for uh, Robin and Marion, which is a very depressing, like, hey, what if Robin Hood and Maid Marion got really old and their lives kind of sucked? Um, 
That's pretty much what it is. And uh, she also, her, her last film was the uh, Steven Spielberg uh, film Always in the uh, 1980s. Uh, she died pretty young, too, 63 or something like that, too. Like, very, very sad. Um, we have Alan Arkin, and this, he's the reason for this, by the way. O- originally, we're going to go another route here, but I couldn't really source a proper version of the movie I wanted to do. Uh, so we changed it on the fly here. So we just picked Alan Arkin from Freebie and the Bean. Uh, so here he is as Rote. He's the big baddie in this film. Um He's actually credited as Rote, Rote Jr. and Rote Sr. Uh, there's a reason for that. Um, we'll get, probably get into it. Uh, we got Richard Crenna here as Mike Tallman. He's got 120 credits. Uh, he was in stuff like The Sand Pebbles, The Devil's Backbone, Death Ship, Body Heat. Uh, most people know him, of course, as uh, Troutman from First Blood, Rambo First Blood 2, and Rambo 3. So he's the uh, the military guy who can kind of like he's kind of the Rambo whisperer to a, some extent. He can kind of like bring Rambo in and and get him to do missions and stuff. Uh, we got Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. What a name! As Sam Hendricks, ninety nine credits, mostly a TV guy. Had a few movies here and there, but when you look at his like credits, it's mostly like, hey, every TV show from the 1950s onward, he was in it, kind of. He is best known now, I think, by most people as voicing Alfred in Batman the Animated Series in the 1990s, and the spinoff series, and some of the movies, and the uh, Justice League series as well. But before that, his big claim to fame was uh, he was in the series The FBI that ran from 1965 to 1974, and he did 241 episodes of that. Then we have Jack Weston as Carlino, 108 credits. He was in a bunch of great stuff. Uh, The Cincinnati Kid, The Thomas Crown Affair, Gator, Ishtar, Dirty Dancing. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder if this guy did some Dirty Dancing in that film. Hmm. I don't don't know. Uh, Short Circuit 2. We got uh, Samantha Jones as Lisa. I looked her up. She was basically like a glamour model or whatever. She had very limited credits. Uh, She had like a couple other movies here. Like the one that jumped out at me was Get to Know Your Rabbit, which was a a comedy that featured one of the uh, Smothers Brothers in it as as one of the stars. But other than that, like she didn't do a lot of movies. She just kind of, I think she got a few roles kind of based on the fact that she was hot. And that was, that was kind of it. I thought I thought for the like the two minutes she's on screen in this she was pretty good. Finally, we got uh, Julie Harrod as Gloria. Uh, she she was the uh, daughter of Ralph Harrod, uh, who was the CBS TV director and founder of Playwright Opportunity Theater in Greenwich Village, New York, where Julie acted since the age of five. So basically, I think she I didn't I didn't read anything that confirmed this, but I. I I'm guessing she's kind of reprising her role from the stage play version of this, which would explain why her acting is so big in this movie. <laughs> and also maybe why she didn't get too many other roles after this, because she's got like maybe what, two other credits or something like that. And then it was pretty much, I think she just went back to acting on stage. We have a synopsis here from Gary KMCD on IMDb. And it says, when Sam Hendricks carries a doll across the Canada-U.S. border, he sets off a chain of events that will lead to a terrifying ordeal for his blind wife, Susie. The doll is stuffed with heroin, and when it cannot be located, its owner, a Mr. Rote, 
stages a piece of theater in an attempt to recover it. He arranges for Sam to be away from the house for a day and then has two con men, Mike Tallman and Mr. Carlito. It's not Carlito, it's Cor- Carlino. You got to get this right, Gary KMCD. Um, but uh, alternately encouraged or scared Susie into telling them where the doll's hidden. Tallman pretends to be an old friend of Sam's while uh, Cor- Corino uh, pretends to be a police officer. Despite their best efforts, they make little headway as Susie has no idea where the doll might be, leading Mr. Rote to take a somewhat more violent approach to getting the information from her. And yeah, that, that's a good synopsis of what's going on here. Um, so I am, I'm, I'm going to say right off the bat, this actually is a first watch for me. I've, I've known about this movie for quite a while, but I, I'm pretty sure this is a first time watch for you as well, Lee. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, what's your general thoughts on it? This was a really good movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. So this, it's funny because every time you think like Audrey Hepburn, you always think Breakfast at Tiffany's. Like that's a kind mm-hmm. of iconic And don't get me wrong, like I loved her. She's just, just this, um, just this really fun actress to watch. But honestly, I think this one was way better. Like I think she did way better in this one than Breakfast at Tiffany's. This was a, a not an easy role to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not here to say that she portrayed anyone with like a visual impairment perfectly, but considering the information, like w- what you think, like me, if I did something like this, where they said, Hey, you got to act like your sight is gone. Like you lost an accident. I honestly, that was so impressive. Mm-hmm. Like it, the way she moves around, the way she touches things, like her panic, even to think like when he touches the scarf around her face, yeah. she's every time like it's believable her whole time like you could honestly think that she has she can't see like she has trouble seeing or she's got no vision like she's just her reaction her everything like i it it took me a second to realize it was audrey hepburn too Mm -hmm. um just because like yeah it was just such a different role than what you would see from it it's so like you're you're mentioning like you know breakfast at tiffany's and stuff like the stuff i mentioned as her credits this is totally like atypical of really anything she had done before. And her acting style is very more classic Hollywood. And this is not a classic Hollywood type film. This is very like we're getting into the 70s where we're almost there and, you know, things are changing. And I'll, I'll get into it later when I, when I talk about it. But I think her performance here is brilliant. And I think there's a, a very specific reason as well. Not outside of the fact that she paid so much attention trying to portray a blind person in a in a sensitive and believable manner, mm-hmm. but but uh, yeah, but uh, if you got anything else to uh, to to mention, uh, I'll let you continue. Yeah. Uh, so first off, um, the story how it went, it was unexpected. Mm-hmm. Like when you first see the movie. Or when you first start seeing what's going on, you first see what's happening. Uh, it's not as if you could obviously figure out exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, as it kind of progresses, you're like, okay, hold on a second. Like, this is actually pretty cool. Uh, it is a bit of um, a slow burn at the beginning, which is yeah. fine. I can totally respect it because I don't think in the situation, like what they wanted to do, it would make no sense to have like a crazy violent fight scene. No, <laughs> it's like no, that no. So no, what the actual... Um, the slowness of it makes sense. It, it does build up the story. Uh, so our, our first, um, I think it was Lisa. 
uh, the woman who had yes. the doll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our first person, you think that she's going to be a main part of the movie. Like right. they have her on. She has this moment. Everything happens. And the next time you see her, she's in the closet dead. Yep. So that right away threw me off because I was like, oh, fuck. Like, okay. I, and, then um, the, and then there's that whole like tense scene where it's she, Audrey Hepburn, goes into the closet to get her scarf or whatever the fuck. She visibly brushes up against some stray hairs from Lisa as she's hanging in that plastic bag in the in the fucking closet. And it's like it confuses Audrey Hepburn because like, what's that? Oh, must be like cobweb or something. And she continues along her way. But the tension of is she going to discover the body right away and totally blow this whole thing? It's very well done. Yeah, and they don't even play off the idea that they took somebody who, how they did, just, just how they did it, how they placed it, how they had it. You thought possibly, hey, let's store this dead body in this house where we know the person um, needs assistance when it comes to uh, being able to see. Mm-hmm. But no, it goes further than that. <laughs> like it goes into another story because how they did it, it just looked like a, oh yeah, we're going to leave the body here and then we'll take it out and we'll go. But um, it wasn't. And what was really cool about this movie that even though it was kind of had that bit of a slow burn at the beginning and mm-hmm. the story itself, we really never left the one scene. We had a couple scenes at the beginning, but realistically the whole movie happened in the same area yeah and that and of course that goes directly to the stage play uh, roots of this right i i love how this movie starts because it kind of it's kind of a cold open right like it it just jumps right into the middle as if we're in the middle of the scene that already started where they're putting the drugs in the in the doll and they're playing the score over it and it's that really discordant two different badly tuned pianos playing against each other kind of thing it's very well done um it gives immediately for me at the very least and i know you've watched some italian giallo films on shutter in the past for me it, it gave me some vibes of that like and this was right around the time the italian giallo was really starting to pick up and, and gain international prominence so I feel like this movie must have had like some of that influence uh, sort of uh, in the back of its mind when they were making this. Because you've got beautiful women, you've got blades, you've got dolls, you've got creepy music. These are all like iconic kind of things you'd expect to see pop up in these sort of things. It's just that this is a much more straightforward crime thriller at the end of the day compared to like an Italian film that wouldn't necessarily wouldn't make sense where everything in this movie ends up making sense eventually. Yes. Yeah. It just, okay. So how, if you read a description on like whatever the case may be before watching this, like a standard, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it was TV guides back then or not even, I think seventies was just seventies. I don't know. I They had, they had TV guide in the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you had the description. So if you go off by like the description of what you see, I'm not too sure exactly what it would have said, but I think it did this really good job of kind of keeping you entertained with, hold on a second, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Hold on a second. And another thing, considering the date of the movie, it is uh, 1974. No, 67. No, 67. Okay, yeah, even more so. So 1967. You know how, like, every single time I mention a movie and I I freak out about the fact that they made a female very helpless? Mm -hmm. And it's always this female that should be strong and is helpless. This is the opposite. They took a woman who is helpless 
who, or sorry, who feels helpless. And the husband is saying, no, you're going to do this. And there was one part was like a little bit too cold for me, but again, 67. So I can allow for forgiveness mm-hmm. on that one. But he always made her do stuff because he said he wants her to learn. Yeah. If this is the encouragement. And I don't see anything bad with that because, yeah, you can't always rely on people. And this was that moment where it showed her independence. Like she really had to be independent. And she took – she was able to take advantage of like the senses that um, she did have to help herself. Yeah. So this was – entirely opposite of every fucking movie back in the den where they're like, hey, we're going to take this super strong woman and make her seem really pathetic and weak to, hey, we're going to take this woman who seems pathetic and weak and make her fucking badass. Like, yeah, no, no there, there's a depth to her performance here because like, she's got a bit of a character arc here where she gains strength from being smart and using those senses that are stronger since her eyes went away from her. Mm-hmm. Um, she does a really good job of portraying a woman who's putting on a good front of being like very positive and determined to like adjust to her new situation. Cause mm-hmm. she, and she, and she does it, you know, because we learned that her husband was actually like the guy who saved her from the car wreck that blinded her basically. And they fell in love and he has been, you know, and like you said, he, he doesn't let her slouch. He's like, no, you're going to, you're going to beat this. You're going to be a functional adult with this disability. And so, you know, he's a little tough love on her, but like not in a cruel way or anything like that. It's very, there's very much, you get the sense that these two love each other and it's a very good relationship. Although she would definitely prefer him to be around a lot more. He's like, I got to go do more photographs or whatever. It's like, couldn't you just stay? Maybe we'll bone later, you know, kind of thing. Um, But I love that, you know, every once in a while there's cracks in the facade where you can tell she's scared. You can tell she's uncertain. And that just sort of rings true because I'm sure you and I have both done this and have known people have done this where you put on a face when Mm -hmm. something's wrong. And then you have your little moments of weakness. And she has little moments of weakness. But by the end of this ordeal, she gains more strength. And and you see through the movie her picking up little signs and things. And she's, she's almost like a, a detective because she's she's picking up little clues and, and things here and there that don't make sense to her. And she's like, wait, what what's going on here? Like, this makes no sense. And she starts putting two and two together. And she realizes by the end, oh, shit, I'm getting I'm getting fucking scammed by these people who are talking to me, giving me one story. But it doesn't all add up, and it's a fun little mystery. I keep bringing up this whole slow burn, but it's a slow burn in a really good way. Mm-hmm. Like for I, I, I am a person who many times have admitted that like I have a hard time focusing with a lot of movies that have this, but this one was so well done. Like this one had this slow burn that kept you interested because I had said that had they put some crazy action scene, it would have ruined the actual momentum of this movie. Mm-hmm. They did such a good job at taking what they had. And creating a very intriguing plot line that even though it was slow, it was Mm -hmm. incredibly interesting to watch. It was fascinating. You were involved. You were you were even trying to like get details to be like, hey girl, the lines cut. Hey, like do this, like, hey, listen for that. Hey, like (laughs) Oh, this 
This movie is perfect for sliding in details that you may or may not notice, but they all kind of build to a a payoff later on. A a good example of this, and something I really loved. So uh, Alan Arkin is the main bad guy in this, and he basically, he both enlists and blackmails two local con artists to basically uh help him with this scheme because he he needs muscle basically to, yeah. to pull this off he needs them to move a body he needs them to help with the scam with uh the Susie character audrey hepburn so when these two characters get blackmailed by alan arkin's character and basically you know what happens is alan arkin comes in on the scene where they they're in the house first they don't find anything what they're looking for and he walks in and he introduces himself and he comes in with a big fucking carpet on his shoulder. And you're like, okay, that's a little weird, but you immediately kind of forget it because he slings it over the staircase. And it's like, okay, that's out of your mind all of a sudden. That comes back later at the end of the scene. But he's like, okay, so I'm going to enlist you two guys, basically. Like, here, here's what's going to happen. You're going to work for me. I'll pay you money. Oh, by the way, if you're not cool with that, you guys have just left your fingerprints everywhere. And you're going to be fucked if you don't agree to team up with me. So he's both paying them and blackmailing them at the same time, which is amazing. But then he's like, okay, go in the back room and look. And, of course, they both go back in the back room and they find the body of Lisa. And they both come back out shaking, you know, a little bit. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's what the carpet is for. Because he's already planned this far ahead where it's like, you guys are going to carry this body out here in the carpet. And it's like, oh, that's really well done. And then later on, the two criminals, when they're fully engaged in the con, where they're playing different characters, trying to trick Susie, trying to get the location of the doll with the heroin in it, you actively see them in Susie's place, playing the characters they're playing. And while, because she's blind, she can't see this stuff. She think we think she's totally unaware of this. They're going around, they're brushing off dust, they're, uh, Wiping they're they're down. cleaning. It's not so they're much wa- dust. They're yeah. wiping their fingerprints. Yes, they're wiping all their fingerprints, and they have gloves on while they're doing it this time because they are setting up the fact that they're going to turn on Alan Arkin's character, Rote, at the first opportunity that, that they can get, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, that just – it's just another little subtle thing that's actually setting up a payoff but- later on. What's great about that, too, is that you see Audrey Hepburn in that where she's just kind of scanning, scared because mm-hmm. whatever's going on. But then you realize it's because she's like, hey, what the fuck? Why were they dusting my place? Is my place dirty? Like that's yeah. kind of that clue in where she's like she realizes, hey, something's going wrong. Yeah. And it, then she sees I'm blanking. I apologize. I forget names. Uh, wrote was yeah. in the house as the old man freaking out, being like, hey, where's this person? Blah, 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 blah. And then he leaves, comes back as the son. And yeah. she's like, hold on a second. The foot, the footsteps. Like, it's just small things, like small details where I can respect the creativity of the writer. And I mm-hmm. appreciate how they portrayed it as well. Because how she reacted, because when you watch the movie, and this is one of those ones where you could totally rewatch it and, like, be fascinated by all the small things they actually did. Because mm-hmm. we watched first time. So we just saw it as it is. We didn't look for anything. Right. And we saw these things. Can you imagine if you go back and see like what we saw, what we know now? Because mm-hmm. I can guarantee you, you'll see Audrey Hepburn picking out the shoes are different. or Because you know she did that little jump at first. Yeah. But 
the dusting, like when you heard the dusting, the curtains, when they first did the curtains, mm-hmm. like all those things, like you guarantee now if I watched it again, I could probably see her reaction better. And I could probably <laughs> see it more. You know, I just had this thought. So Audrey Hepburn's blind and uh, Rote plays a father and son character. And each time he comes in, he's wearing a wig and a different getup. Why does he even bother doing that? (laughs) I thought about that too. And this is my theory. This is because, uh, because they're leaving the van. If somebody sees them go in. That's okay. Yeah. That is the reason why I saw it. That is the only reason. Um, Because other than that, like, because even then everybody else, when they went as different characters or said something, they never changed. Mm-hmm. So I think that was just if there was an eyewitness. That's the only reason I see it yeah, as. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Yeah, because I saw like especially since his character really didn't change too much from up close. No, just they put on that. So either it was a director wanting to visually let us know that they are two separate characters, mm-hmm. or the idea was to think like this guy was trying to make sure that they were covering all the bases because this guy's supposed to be really smart, right? Yeah, I mean he, he is. Came in- he is fairly smart too. Like he until and he messes with a blind, or sorry, a visually impaired woman. <laughs> yeah. Now Al- Alan Arkin, like here, giving a totally different performance than the one he gives in Freebie and the Bean. It's night and day. He was so good. He's he's kind of like this sinister beatnik almost because he t- he talks a little kind of jivey. He's got the he's got the sunglasses on all the time. He's got kind of Except like when a, he changes like characters. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, the guy is. Oh, yeah. So you you don't even know. If, honestly, you uh, wouldn't be surprised if the, the first time we see him, if that's even not a character, because his hair is kind of weird. I was kind of expecting that to be a wig too, almost. Um, but he's he's just got this creepy, calm way of talking, and he just the way he blackmails the two con artists into helping them and shit. Like he he knew all along he was going to have them under his thumb, and the. the the way he menaces Susie is just it's and it's so casual for him too. Like he's a total fucking just psycho. Like he's Audrey Hepburn and Alan Arkin mm-hmm. are the star performers of this movie. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm not saying the other guys were good. They were great. Uh there was a lot of good uh back and forth between the actors. Like there was a lot of uh chemistry. You could see mm-hmm. it. they worked well together. But Audrey Hepburn and Alec Alec. Wow. Um <laughs> Alan yeah. Arkin. There you go. There you go. <laughs> they were fucking phenomenal. They mm-hmm. were so good. They were so believable. Like, he was so fucking creepy. Like, at the beginning, where he's just like, oh, hey there. I know you're behind the door. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, I need you too. By the way, anyways, just just the control he had. And then when he did the different characters too, I thought it was really good because you saw, like, diversity. You saw change. Because mm-hmm. then he comes back as this, like, cool, calm, collect weirdo. And then Audrey Hepburn and her growth as a character, her idea of this, you know what? She was positive, but she was very also um, needy. Like she needed Mm -hmm. help. She needed this. And then you see this person who realizes like, hold on a second. Fuck it. Like, I know I can't see, but guess what? Let's use it as my strength. Okay. Hold on a second. Like, cool. I can't see. What can I do? What am I going to do? How am I going to figure this out? And she just became someone who went from, oh no, what was me to fuck this shit. I'm gonna kick some ass, and um, yeah, she does this really good like cat and mouse game with 
with uh, wrote at the end of it where it's like, okay, if, if I can't see, he shouldn't be able to see either. And let's use that to my advantage kind of thing. And it's, I love the fridge thing. I, I yeah. thought it was so clever where she thought of every light, obviously a panic, right? And he goes up and opens the fridge and she's, she's visually impaired. So she doesn't realize like the fridge is open, but then she yeah. hears the motor and she's like, fuck, I forgot that light. And, but and then, uh, her horror when she discovers the telephone line is cut. She's just, so good. Mm-hmm. She, I felt it like that last 20 minutes. I was hooked like, or sorry, I think it was 30 minutes. I was hooked. Like that last little concluding bit, you were just engaged fully slow, slow, slow to like, we're going to hit you fucking hard. We know more than she does mm-hmm. as the audience. Cause we've seen everything that's gone down. We know the lines cut. We know what's going on. We know what's going to happen, but the doors even, lock the chains. Yep. But even then, the strength of her performance, when the shit starts going down in the final climax where she's got to think her way out of this, she's got to, you know, listen and, and think her way out of this. We get sucked into her point of view. And it's almost like we're discovering all these things again for the first time when she discovers them. It's it's that well done. And I love that for the dark part where they shut all the lights off, mm-hmm. they shut all the lights off. Oh, yeah. She's it's dark as fuck. Yeah, you don't you don't see a shadow. You don't see anything. Which I, on a I, movie basis, I love that. I I tried fucking with my contrast and brightness on the TV too. Can't yeah. can't see shit. No, they just went straight up dark because yeah. they they literally portrayed what they wanted us to believe was her sight. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I so cool. Like it even when it went quiet, everything that moment it just made it more like so much more impactful because. Uh, a lot of times when you see these kind of movies, they show shadows so you can kind of see, so you can stay with it. But mm-hmm. this was straight up, no, 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 we're just going to black it out. And I loved it. I love that. Like, it was just, it's so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a good movie. It's um, it's surprisingly, it surprised me that I enjoyed it this much because um, definitely not what I usually am interested in. But yeah. it was a captivating story. It was, I had some brilliant acting in it i think there was some really creative director choices as well of how they did stuff mm-hmm. uh the fact that they had all your attention towards the safe for the longest time and it meant nothing nothing about it it just turned out to be oh what's it fucking called um ah you know this where they use uh they, they make you believe that something was going to be a part of the storyline but they don't use it mcguffin there we go yeah they did that so well, and then the parts where they did have the red herring, where, mm-hmm. yeah, um, they had those two, which was great. Yeah, you had no, it's, it's very, it's very Hitchcock too. Like it, it's, and and again, that's like a, I'm saying, like this is kind of an American giallo in a way. It, it, you know, not so much because there's not a lot of murders or anything in it, but it is in the sense that like it's it's got that Hitchcock vein through it, and like most. Most Italian giallos, even if they don't end up making sense at the end of the day, they're more style over substance. They tend to at least have like some sort of kind of like Hitchcock element to it. And this one has a very strong Hitchcockian kind of element to it. And it made sense beginning Mm. to end. It was really good. And I usually am such a picky person with plot holes and shit. Yes. I couldn't find anything that I could pick at. Like I thought this was either then. Other than him coming in with a different outfit, which we can theorize as to yeah. why. And I um, like the theory for that. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, 
that's the only thing that was technically really anything of a plot hole. But even then, it's not that much of a plot hole. Because I think the the story was very well written. I think mm. that uh, the way it was filmed was extremely well done. It's just a solid movie from beginning to end. There's mm-hmm. nothing that I can really critique about it. Like I, I thought the acting was great. I thought the use of the lack of scenery, different sceneries was absolutely awesome. Mm-hmm. Like perfectly well portrayed. Um, I always love, okay. So there's a huge difference with child actors back in the day to child actors. Now child actors back in the day usually are pretty meh. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're kids. They like, it's one of those things when I see a child actor who's a fucking star, I'm like, well, that kid's abused. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just um, like she was maybe the weakest link. And it's not as if she wasn't bad either. She was still really good. She it was just, big because of, again, like we said, she, she did the stage version of this and she had been, she's been a stage actor since age five. That, that's a hard thing to like weed out of you and like become a, a screen actor. Yeah. You could see it. You could see how the body language, she was always facing camera and that kind of stuff. But I'm not saying, like, I still thought she was really good, too. It's just you could, when I see younger actors, I always see these, like, fucking stupidly amazing actors that have been acting for 20 years and they're, like, 10 years old. And you see her, it was a little bit more like, okay, yeah, I can see that she's I, a younger person acting. The, the, the way I explain this away, because she is kind of, she kind of spazzes out here and there. I, yeah. I was like, okay, so she's a latchkey kid. Like, there's no parental supervision at all. If anything, like Susie's kind of like the 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 uh, substitute mother for her almost in a way, and she's probably going to lash out about that as well uh, to a little to some extent. But also, she's probably you know like this is way before diagnosing some sort of learning disability or or attention deficit disorder or something like that. She's she's probably got all, all kinds of fucked up problems that are not being you know, taken care of. So the fact that she's even got Susie giving her stuff to do and befriending her and stuff is probably like the most positive thing in her life at the moment. Yeah. Do you know what? Now that you bring that back, that was something that I thought about. It was like, Oh, this is cool. Her kid have parents. Like, are they just allowed to hang out? But then again, if you think like the age of the movie, I don't think it would be strange for parents to be gone somewhere or doing something or, or just the, the, father doesn't give a shit and the mother who's drinking too much and passed out from alcohol or whatever the case may be this is stories that you have heard from then oh yeah this is all this is all these post-war generations you know where it's just like the latchkey kid becomes a term right and it's yeah that this kid could be running down the stairs to hang out with somebody who has more of a family figure to her so Mm -hmm. again it plot hole ish ish i can add some sense to it even if it isn't like they just said fuck it we'll just have this child could be just the simple fact that children back then did that often yeah yeah so um so the only other thing i want to mention about hepburn's performance and what i loved about it so she's definitely acting like she would act in one of her movies from like the 40s or 50s like she's doing that kind of oh we're gonna get big house and we're gonna do this we're gonna do that and oh blah, 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 blah. it's it's got a theatrical bent to it it's very expressive it's a almost over the top in a way i think the reason it works so well in this film is because she's playing a blind person where she can look off you know 
with that starstruck look in her eyes because she's just a blind person who's looking off in the distance and not seeing anything. That's interesting. I never even thought of that. I, I, I was just looking at it and I was like, okay, that's exactly what a theatrical stage performance would look like. But add on to the fact that it, she's a blind person. That's a lot of blind people, you know, tend to be like that. Like, you know, the, a lot of them wear sunglasses and stuff to like get away from having that look out in public where, you know, they're very like starry eyed or like looking in places that their head, that their head's not tilted to and, and, and stuff like that. Like it's, that is such a perfect fit. Her old style performance here, this classic performance that should not work in a modern crime thriller from the 1960s works perfectly because she's playing a blind person yeah i i didn't even think of that but yeah it's it's so i have a hard time because you could tell sometimes like they didn't do anything they didn't make her wear glasses they didn't try to Mm -hmm. her eyes she was just her eyes were normal um but i absolutely get that then it was you were you could see or you were blind like that's it yeah but uh, obviously now we know that with like visual impairment there's like a level of degree of how much you can see right so uh, she said she see. said she could see brown was was what she was she meant she said, said the brown yeah she was yeah. brown but usually it's shadows usually it's mm-hmm. some figure you or something or a blurry image um that's the only time where now it's has that lack of that moment but mm-hmm. i thought her performance i thought everything it was it, it portrayed it very well as somebody who had sight who lost sight and everything that she did to try and figure out where she was like the frantically when she was panicking the mm-hmm. general when she was doing stuff like when the husband was telling her like hey no it's close enough like you can do it on your own and then when she was close and he said yeah you're there but whatever i could see that as something now as someone mm-hmm. trying to learn that it's still there. Um, so even though how old it is, I don't think it aged terribly. Like I think it it's, aged pretty really well. It's it's very it's still very sensitive to the disability. It's not ableist in any fucking degree that I no, can see. And I think the only thing that you could really say is that they use the term blind which is not what we use anymore. Right. That's about it. That's the only thing that's really drastic. And obviously like just small things could be improved because I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think considering there's other movies that I've seen later on where it's very stereotypical, mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is showing somebody who is trying to act normal and do stuff normal in life. And I, I don't know. Anyway, I just think it's great. It's it fucking is. great. This movie's great. Yeah, it's a no. good, great movie. It's it yeah. just how old it is, what they actually did, how they thought. Like I don't know. I don't know if she hung out with people who had visual impairments. And she had some sort of tra- she had some sort of training. Yeah, it just blows my mind how good she was. Like I I, I totally mention um, we have the other actor who was amazing, but she was just she was just fucking beyond brilliant and my goodness can i just say like the whole idea of having a woman in the late 60s as someone who's really fucking amazing mm-hmm. who's turned out to be this fucking brilliantly strong person that's not like pathetically like oh no help me man and she outsmarted three fucking guys yeah 
That's it. Yeah. That's all I gotta say. No, it's, it's a great fucking film. Uh, budget for this was $3 million and made 17.5 at the box office. So did very, very well, especially for the time. You can find this everywhere, basically. Blu-ray, DVD, iTunes, Google Play, Microsoft Store, Amazon Prime, Movies Anywhere, Vudu, Vimeo. It's all over this freaking place. Uh, we've got a little bit of trivia, trivia here for uh, people to immerse viewers in the suspense of the climatic scene. And this was actually kind of mentioned in the trailer I, I uh, uh, played. Movie theater owners dimmed their lights to the legal limits and then turned them off one by one until the audiences were in complete darkness. So the only thing they'd be seeing is the uh, is the screen, mm-hmm. um, which honestly probably most probably the case for most theaters anyway. How much lights do you have on when you're showing a movie in the theater? I don't. I don't. They have the stairs, and they have yeah. The I mean, back back then though, there's probably a lot less. But yeah. now they have like the stairs that are lit up. They have the doors that are lit up. They have yeah. Like, it's still dark, but it's just. But yeah, um, so lately, it's it's your choice for a movie next time. Um, this was my choice, and you just changed the choice because you couldn't find something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So you know you got to choose something else. <laughs> yeah, it'll we'll, happen eventually. We'll give it some time. You know. Because th- this this was my turn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, hey, by the way, switch it up on you. I understand why. It's just funny that it happened. Like, just just I didn't even realize it. I just thought mm-hmm. we. Uh, <laughs> so you just said hey we're just gonna switch it up this time no explanation i'm like okay yeah so i had no idea i had no idea that that was the reason why and i only found out now that you were talking about it <laughs> in this podcast so I, thought I, I thought i told you but apparently i fucked that no. up I'm sorry <laughs> it's okay it's totally okay yeah but technically you took my turn so <laughs> oh did i i thought i thought it was my choice was the last no. Oh no! You I... chose all about. Okay, so I can make a choice then. No, you can't oh. because you know you took a choice. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, that's so right. You took my choice. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. I'm just teasing you, by the way. Yeah, no, but I get it. Yes, I will repick my repick of a repick. I think this is like the third time now. That oh <laughs> Jesus! Okay. I, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't more. Uh, sorry, it wasn't this one specifically. It's just that it's happened to me a couple times now where either I haven't been able to show up or we couldn't find it or like it's been done. Right. So, I'm just having all the luck in the world when it comes to Viking movies. That's I did fun. realize though, the one all about Alice, I did realize that was going to be a difficult one. So yeah, I, the movie was only, the movie's only like an hour and 15 minutes long or something like that. But it's like, I was trying to find the proper version of it. And it's just like, I can't find anything that's like, Oh, here's a here's a streaming version of it that looks like shit. That if I give Lady Lee the link, it's gonna pop up eighteen viruses on her computer, and yeah, that wouldn't be good. Yeah. So we'll have to eventually do it because I think it would be interesting if we ever yes. find it. But yeah, I will definitely um, sit down, look at the actors, and pick a next movie. Okay, cool. So you have you still have no social medias to share and, and nothing else to plug or anything like that. No, that's just me. Just no. <laughs> I barely, I barely have time to breathe right now. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're good. You're fine. Or sleep. <laughs> yeah, no. Out. You 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 might want to sleep right after this. You've had a long oh. day. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why I've been. Okay, 
last last so runoff. So today, today at work, and even now you could tell, um, I could tell that I was fucking exhausted because mm-hmm. anytime there's a moment where something happens, conversation happens, I just get into this like I talk too fast. I just go on forever and I just say stuff because like my brain doesn't have any capacity of like limiting myself in what I do because I am aware now I'm aware of how much I talk and how fast I talk mm-hmm. but when I'm exhausted that filter is just gone <laughs> <laughs> so that is this is the podcast this is Lee exhausted this is what you get yeah she's got her arms crossed right now she is not having this she's just like <laughs> oh that fuck off i'm smiling <laughs> yeah. um but yeah uh you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com we also have a facebook group they must be destroyed on site on facebook if you want to get in touch with us there and uh you know leave us comments criticisms questions we're not taking quest- that. fuck that just, what? Comments. just just fucking compliments. Compliments, yeah. Tell us how good we are. We, we tell, need some... Tell us how hot we look. Tell yeah. us how awesome we sound. Tell us how, like, we make your day every time you listen to us. Yeah. Yeah. T- <laughs> t- tell, us, tell, us how we, tell us how we stimulate your ear clitorises. <laughs> yeah. Christ. How we how we make those ear vaginas or maybe your ear penises? I don't know how you're configured, but either way, we stimulate them and they either they either bone out and spew or they uh, quiver, one one or the other. We heat up your engine. We 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 do. We rev them up. We make those eyes see again. It's it's, it's that good. Oh Jesus Christ! What? <laughs> okay, there, Jesus. Was was that bad? Was that did no? It, it was just there? it just threw me off. It was hilarious. Oh, <laughs> just because. Uh, <laughs> I guess it would be Tommy. It wasn't Tommy healing people. That's right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Tommy was healing people, and I, I think at one point he said this. <laughs> oh come on, Molly! Show us your whisker biscuit. <laughs> Man, that was what a great movie. I love that movie. Um, yeah, but yeah, we're gonna get out of here, and um, who knows what comes up next? Who knows if even Lady Lee's gonna be on the next episode? We'll see what happens over schedule because you're getting right back to school, so you're gonna be uh, a busy, busy bee. So uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, we're gonna get out of here, and thanks for listening, everybody. We definitely appreciate it, and we'll be back when we're back. Goodbye. May.
You have been listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For further episodes of this podcast, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive